Welcome to Bird's World, where intelligence meets the inexperienced. I'm your host, Albert. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Bird's World Podcast. I'm here with my roommates that I met during my time at Conagra, but we're still in the middle of our process, getting our final presentations done. But now is a better time than ever to get to know these guys. Uh, So introduce yourselves, say your name, what school you go to, and what's your major. Hello, uh, my name is Corbin. I go to Texas A&M University, and I'm a master's student of economics. My name is Pratik. I go by Tiki. Uh, I'm at Purdue doing industrial engineering. My name's Sai. I go to the University of Virginia. I double major in sustainability and business. Very cool. As you can see, we have a diverse panel today. Uh, so the first thing, well, yeah, we are pretty diverse. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Not in terms in of major, majors, but yeah, like but also everything. <laughs> um, we're also from different parts of the country. So Miami, and then we also have Texas, uh, Chicago, despite going to Purdue and Virginia. Um, wait, is Purdue in Chicago? No, Purdue's okay, in Indiana. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. So. First question I want to ask is, what's your school culture like? If you can sum it up in one to two sentences, I'll give you a minute to think. You don't have to say it off the bat, but we'll start on size side. Oh, perfect. Um, I would say very much kind of like the work hard, play hard type of culture. Like definitely take academics very seriously, uh, especially for a state school. But then like weekends, uh, everyone goes out. Like it's still very much like a party school. Um, for Purdue, it's kind of different. So it's very split between engineers and non-engineers. We g- like I go to a very engineering-focused school. So uh, the engineers usually just kind of take the weekdays and just study nonstop. And then the weekends, we go out, have fun. And then everyone else just kind of goes out whenever they feel like it. So it's very split, but um, people do work hard. I mean, you ha- kind of have to, especially at Purdue. So... And a is kind of interesting in that it's very rooted in tradition. Uh, A&M's a super school culture kind of um, university experience, what with our football games. Uh, we have different yells that we memorize, all kinds of different traditions that are taking place um, in and out of the classroom and around College Station as a city. Now that you've been there for a little while at your schools, um, what advice would you give to someone who's applying to your school to like, you know, up their chances of getting in? So, um, A&M being that kind of culture centric school, there's a lot of um, kind of get, get out there and go get it attitude um, in ways that are like, if you're very outgoing, you will do very well at A&M. If you're willing to kind of accept the traditions and really for lack of a better term, full send it. Shout out now. So if you're willing to go and full send it on these traditions that you might not have ever heard of before you even, before you move to College Station for college, then um, I kind of forgot where I was going there. But just be, be outgoing, be willing to kind of embrace the traditions of Texas A&M and you'll do just fine. So, you know, Purdue's still like, very much a public school but if i'm assuming i I, like again like it's kind of still split between stem and non-stem 
but I guess my best advice is like do a bunch of stuff not like exactly related to your major but related to like what you want to do so if you want to go into like aerospace is huge at Purdue we have astronaut we've had like six astronauts I think the number is come out of our camp come out of our school um including Neil Armstrong uh like if just do projects that you want to do that are related to what you want to pursue as like a degree or a job. Yeah, kind of echoing what Tiki said, besides being from Virginia, uh, which makes your chances go up a lot to get into the University of Virginia because it's a state school, but also just kind of find the thing that makes you unique and kind of just dive into it, like really pursue that, that one thing. I remember when I was applying to schools, like they kind of talk about being well-rounded but it's better to have a spike. Like you, you, you want to be well-rounded, but then have that one thing that kind of sets you apart. Like what's going to make you stand out? I like that advice. I, I feel like that's pretty true across all schools. If you're well-rounded but average in most things, I don't think you really stand out as an applicant despite being like, I don't know, secretary in a whole bunch of clubs, you know? Yeah. They have one crazy hobby, like fly airplanes or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually know a few people. We have a flight school at Purdue. Right. And so my, actually talk about that a little bit. Yeah, actually one of my really close friends is like pro-flight right now. I actually have two close friends that are pro-flight. And before going in, they both have flown planes before they started like the program at Purdue. And it's a really interesting program because it's still like a four-year degree, but it's for like a professional like pilot or something like that. Um, again, I don't really know too much about it, but I did know that they were more interested in that sort of stuff. So that's the kind of stuff that they did in high school leading up to it. Yeah, and it also makes your like application essay so much more exciting. Instead of talking about your leadership position in a club, you're talking about how you hiked the Appalachian Trail or flew, <laughs> yeah. a, flew a plane or so, something that's like a, a like lot. Something that's way outside yeah. of yeah. the box. Something exactly. Like both you have done and something the interviewers have. Yeah. Um, yeah, like my application uh, thing, I talked about how I made a prosthetic in one of my classes in high school just because it was one of our what? projects and I felt like it. Yeah. You made a prosthetic? I made a prosthetic. It was cool. for a two, uh, second grade girl. She oh, was someone, so, like, someone, yeah, someone actually used this. this. Yeah, someone <laughs> used oh, this. Do you, have a, do, you have, do you have like a picture? Of, I don't of, have like, a like picture, but was it was it like a little competition leg? we had in one of our engineering classes. It was an engineering <laughs> design class. So while we were like doing our own separate project, trying to come up with a proof of concept for this, this was a side project. So a little girl was missing like kind of elbow down from her arm and she wanted to play the recorder with her friends like in class, like music class. So I decided we designed an attachment for the recorder and a kind of attachment for like, uh, I forgot what it's called, but whatever like goes on like that part of her arm and we could like screw in like a 3D printed like piece so she could like push like up, push upwards and it will close the holes on the recorder. And she actually like tested it out and liked and loved it. Like she actually ended up using it in her class. Any other uh, application stories that you guys want to tell? I mean, not, not really along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was a pretty like, cool shit, No, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't build a prosthetic or <laughs> teach like an immigrant how to speak English or something. But like, yeah. <clears throat> uh, mine was. Mine was more about I lived abroad growing up um, and so kind of tying that back in to my love for travel and sustainability. So it kind of like taking that thing that makes you stand out and tying it back into what you want to do.
Uh, for me, I was in ROTC in high school. So, yeah, it, some people aren't sure of what that is. It stands for uh, Reserve Officer Training Corps. Um, and that was the high school version, so it was junior ROTC. Um, but I think for me, that just got me set up kind of a little bit earlier into my life into uh, maybe taking potential leadership roles or, um, I don't know, kind of taking command over several other people. And hopefully that'll, yeah, ho hopefully that'll, that'll translate into this, uh, into this role that I'm applying for uh, while I'm here. Yeah. Actually, speaking on that, uh, I think, because I am in the process of trying to get into leadership roles and I did not realize how strong having an army or military background is for that. Um, I've been stalking people on LinkedIn recently <laughs> and a lot of people who were like in those positions or people that I've met end up having like that military background. So if someone, if any of you out there want to be in like a management or leadership role later in life and you're in like high school or something right now, I would strongly encourage doing JROTC or ROTC when you get into college. Um, but we'll move on to another topic. Uh, tell tell the people about um, highlight experiences that you've had at your respective colleges. We'll start on that side. Um, all right. So the University of Virginia, it's in Charlottesville, which is kind of in like Western Virginia. Um, it's right by Shenandoah National Park. And so just what I love doing, and I found myself like getting really involved in outdoors clubs um, and just since we're so close to such like beautiful nature, just going out with friends, hiking and camping within Shenandoah, I think is has been a really cool experience. Um, and then I think like on grounds, so UVA, I guess like Texas A&M, we have some, we're an older school and so we have some like quirks. Uh, we, we call it grounds instead of campus. It's just, and we're first, second, third and fourth years instead of freshmen, sophomores, juniors and seniors. It's just like little things that I think have stuck around pretty much since Thomas Jefferson started the university. Um, there you go. Um, but yeah, just like on grounds, I've I've really enjoyed how diverse I've been able to like, I, I would say the school itself isn't super diverse, um, but you're able to find and create those kind of pockets. And so that's been something special. I feel like you can kind of find what interests you since it's a larger state school and then kind of pursue that. Um, and so I, got involved in a club called Growing for Change, where we build raised bed gardens for public housing residents in the Charlottesville area. Um, and so that was a really cool experience, just being able to take kind of a club and give back to the community that I'm, that, that I'm living in. Yeah, I mean, uh, Purdue is also, you know, kind of an older school. I think we just celebrated 150 years kind of recently. But uh, we have... I mean, besides, like, campus and, like, the city that's right next to campus, there's not too much to do in the area, which is interesting. But it's also kind of cool because you can just kind of drive 30 minutes out, which is what me and a couple friends did. We just drove, drove 30 minutes out at, like, 10 p.m. and went to go see, stargazing, like, in the middle of a, a random field. And where, you're, like, you know, there's no city, nothing around, so you could actually see the stars. And it was pretty cool. Um, but a lot of, like, my experiences really revolve around, like, meeting a bunch of like like you said like diverse people different kinds of people um like i joined a fraternity and i've been meet i met a ton of different people just in that i met a ton of different great people too 
uh, for me, my some of my most memorable experiences at AM uh, come from come from a lot of the football games. So um, I'm not sure how big into college sports all of all of your viewers are, but um, I don't know. Being being one of like one of the bigger SEC schools, in my opinion, uh, down in the South, we've got we get pretty hectic down there. Kyle Field. Just Anum's stadium holds, I believe, 124,000 students, and it gets re it gets real loud in there. Uh, we've got a cannon that goes off every time we score. We've got all kinds of uh, all kinds of yells and chants depending on how we're doing, how the other team's doing, uh, if we like what the ref said or not, things like that. Um, and I think if if you're interested, I would I would look it up because it's actually quite interesting when every person in the stadium is doing the same thing or yelling the same chance it's i don't want to call i don't want to like compare it to disney but it's a magical experience <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that's i don't know that's that's probably experience number one for me at AM. and i i would say even to viewers that aren't that into sports i would encourage you to go to sporting events at whatever uni university you end up at i think it's a great way just to kind of feel like the culture of the school yeah. you're you're yeah. at and just Purdue, meet people and Purdue especially has like we're not like besides our basketball team I guess we're not like insanely good at sports but feeling the camaraderie between everyone there and like actually being at the arena it's a really different feeling and it feels great like it's a lot of fun Sai, you recently went to study abroad mind speaking a bit about your time where you went and why you went there yeah, so uh, this past semester from, I left um, actually right before New Year's. I spent uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's in the Turkish uh, International Airport in Istanbul. So that was, that was fun. I was sitting at a bar by myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I, I've, I've kind of, uh, I, I've said, I'm gonna remember this New Year's forever Maybe not because it was the most fun, but it was definitely <laughs> like a very memorable I experience. Um, but yeah, I went to Singapore. Uh, I was there until mid-May. Um, it's a very different culture there, I would say. Uh, they, they take their school and their studies very seriously. It's a pretty small island. Uh, it's about 45, you can drive it in 45 minutes and end to end. Um, and so on, on weekends, most local students will go home to their families and use that as, as a time to like rest up, study up, um, eat dinner with their family. It's, it's not kind of like the culture where you go to class during the week and then go out and party on the weekends. Like when you're in school and classes are in session, you are studying, you are taking it seriously. And to me, that was kind of a draining, uh, a draining way to go through a semester of college and so I found myself gravitating towards other exchange students there to get a better balance of being there not just to take classes but also to meet people and create these memories and experiences exploring a new uh, country and a new city um, and, and that's why I, I went abroad I like I said earlier I lived in Germany growing up and I've always kind of been chasing that like uh, experience of living somewhere new and just meeting new people experiencing a new culture and so going into college I knew I always wanted to study abroad and it was kind of derailed a bit because of COVID and so this was the first experience like first chance I really had to be able to go so I was I was glad it came before my fourth year of 
college so I could I could take take advantage of it. Um, so we're gonna move away from college and talk about our internships. Uh, but have you have any of you had one before Conagra? And uh, would you like to speak about that? Uh, we'll start with Corbin this time. Okay. Uh, so I have had a past internship, but. Canagra would be my first kind of Fortune 500 company where I'm working for a bigger firm. But to talk about my last internship, it was I was working for a small civil engineering company in Houston. I'm probably not going to name drop them just in case, but um, it was it was like an Asian-led civil engineering company, which meant that we were fighting for contracts in Houston for like the Asian diverse law that we have there. So Houston's very strange in the way that they give out contracts. Uh, they have to kind of meet certain certain diverse requirements so that they, they're, they're not giving contracts away to only you know certain races or anything like that. Not that I think that would be a problem, but um, in in that experience, it was, it was, I don't know, it was more of a standard internship compared to Conagra. Where here they kind of have high expectations from you and they give you the freedom to do things. Where back in this company, it was I was literally getting Chick-fil-A for some of the employees, going, doing driving, doing deliveries, filling out contact information. Like that was that was a pretty typical internship, in my opinion. I did get some cool experience. Um, like they let me design some metro bus stops in Houston, so that was kind of cool. Um, I think I think that that about answered the question. Yeah. I also had an internship, but I don't know if you could really call it that, honestly. Um, <clears throat> I worked for a I think it was I think it's still like a Fortune 500 company, just like Conagra, but it's a big pharmaceutical company as opposed to like a big food company like we're doing now. Um, Speak up a bit. Okay. Uh, but the company was going through a merger at the time, which is why I had little to no work to do. And I was also fully remote despite living 20 minutes away from the office. So I kind of just logged on, did whatever work I had to do for the day in like two hours and then spent the rest of the day either like in meetings or watching Netflix just from my like home. So I didn't really learn a lot and I didn't really do a lot. Um, so like, I'm kind of happy that I ha I'm, I got an internship here at Conagra where I'm on the floor every day. Like I'm actually doing stuff and like feel like I'm contributing. So that's always nice. Yeah. My last internship last summer was at a small e-commerce company and it was also fully remote and I value this experience this summer so much more. Uh, just because we're in person and able to meet other interns. I mean, I have three roommates here and just like meeting everyone else in, in this building and then being able to meet people in office and network that way. I feel like you're able to make much more lasting connections. Um, and so that's definitely made this, this summer, this summer better. Um, and so we'll start talking about our current internship. Um, just speak about, what you're doing uh, and then how you think that'll help you in whatever future endeavors you have planned. Cool, so um, I'm working 
under the supply chain sustainability team. So sustainability at Conagra, I would say, is still a, a growing um, part of the or organization. And so it's split into two teams currently. One is more focused on external sustainability, more the reporting and the metrics, uh, talking to investors, talking to suppliers. Um, I'm on the team that focuses more internally. So we're working with the plants uh, to help them meet sustainability goals and more like internal, some goal setting, uh, really just trying to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions that occur due to our manufacturing processes and also reducing waste and water usage. Um, and this has been a really interesting like uh, view into that part of sustainability because I've always thought I would be focused more on the external investor facing side, but really seeing like, how to make Fortune 500 companies more sustainable in terms of a manufacturing company that's that has a lot of emissions and a lot of waste. It's been great exposure into the, the real task at hand. Um, and so I, I think it'll be very valuable experience, even if I end up going into more um, investor external facing um, sustainability work, because I'll be able to speak better to what it actually takes. Okay. Um, interesting that you say that because a lot of times, uh, and I'm looking at social media for this, a lot of times you see, oh, it's so easy to be sustainable. Like, why aren't companies doing X or Y? Um, so in your experience so far, is being sustainable easy? And do you are you starting to see why it's such a slow move into that space? I, I think a, a lot of it is uh, culture. It's, it's, a, it, it's a mindset within the company. It's dedicating the resources and funding and money to where it could be going to make these sustainable changes um, in rather than where it's currently going so like it, it is going to take time and some of that is to do with how difficult it is but mostly it's how difficult it is to shift the, the culture within a company um, i was talking with someone and they said sustainability today is like safety about 30 years ago um, if you if, if you look at man, like safety manufacturing like OSHA is still pretty, pretty new and like safety being embedded into everyday culture is something that has happened within the past 20 years or so. And so people see sustainability taking that similar tra trajectory where it's going to take a while for it to be fully embedded, but it's like starting to move in that direction. And now we'll move on to Teak about with what he's doing um, and how it'll benefit him. In the future. Yeah. So uh, unlike the other three people here, I'm actually, my internship is at a plant, so I'm actually at a frozen food plant where we make, uh, you know, it's kind of TV meals, so like Marie Calendar, Bird's Eye, stuff like that. Um, so I work in quality, and quality's job is kind of a little, uh, I don't know, I think it's a little different than how other people, how other uh, places do it. So we do sanitation, actual quality, we do kind of we just do a little bit of everything to make sure that the meals actually get packaged properly, palletized properly, and shipped properly. And if anything goes wrong during the process of when the meals get made, packaged, and shipped, we're the people who kind of have to either fix that issue or determine whether it's still okay to be sold or not. So a couple of the issues, like for example, a couple of the, couple of the issues that we deal with are 
um, like if a piece on the machine line breaks and falls into a batch of food, um, what do we do then? How do we get the pieces out? And is that food still, well, we're probably going to end up throwing it away or uh, DDDing it. But um, like kind of, that's just kind of what we do. Uh, by the way, DDD is basically like destroying it or getting rid of it. Uh, I forgot what the actual or donating it. Destroy, yeah, donate, destroy, or donate. Uh, I forgot what the third one is, but it's either damage, donated, or destroy. Is that it? Okay. Basically, it's just getting rid. Of, we, we can't use it if it's DDD. It's unusable, and it is basically just waste product. Yeah. So uh, it's up to us to decide whether, like, what, how much we waste, and kind of do a little like analysis on like when the incident happened and stuff like that okay uh so my i'm a procurement intern uh also under supply chain so kind of if you want to look at supply chain as a line i'm right here i'm, I'm step number one um and basically what that entails or what my boss does i would say is he goes out and he's talking to <clears throat> he's talking to vendors and <laughs> producers <laughs> of <laughs> Of No way he does it on Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's okay. All right, edit it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep, no, keep, keep that, that shit keep in. That <laughs> should I start from the top or should no, I just, just sweet? <laughs> um basically what procurement does is we we're going and we're buying the raw materials so in the case of core vegetables broccoli cauliflower corn peas carrots beans uh for use in say marie calendar meals or um you know thing, things like that just whatever we need we are acquiring the first pieces the raw materials in procurement and uh, from me as as an intern what my project is is I'm collaborating with both our vendors on the procurement side as well as transportation and logistics to uh, kind of reduce our transportation costs between wherever our vendor is and wherever our plan is and okay so the second part of that question was how how does that kind of affect what I want to do in the future right so when I I guess in my college experience, I'm very unsure of what exactly I want to be doing. So uh, I don't know how detailed you get in your previous podcast, but Albert seems to have a pretty great idea of what he wants to do. I do not have such a great idea of what I want to do. So I'm out here trying to get interesting, interesting experience. Um, I don't, kind of just trying to see the like, I don't want to say see the world, but see what jobs are available and what career path I would like to go on. So that's that's why I'm kind of appreciating this internship, because even though I'm a procurement intern, I'm working with several other spaces at the same time. And I haven't really spoken much on what I've been doing here at Conagra. I'll probably be doing a more detailed episode later. But yeah, right now I'm working on one of their brands, Chef Boyardee helping to uh, just help with how much things cost on the processing side and on the ingredient side. Um, so it's pretty much my job. It goes well by the end of the summer. Um, another element to our internship is we do have a pretty massive presentation at the end of it um, where we're recording what we learned, 
uh, how we helped the company, and uh, that's going to be a real interesting time. So yeah, what's what's life going to be like after college? Do you have? It doesn't have to be a plan, but something that you want uh, to do. So while I've been here at Conagra, I'm also uh, kind of pursuing a second uh, interest that I have for CentOS, the the uniform people, I think is what their slogan is. But I started talking to them in February after I got this internship because I knew I'd be looking for full-time opportunities after I graduate in December. So, um, but basically I'll graduate in December with a, a master's degree of economics, a bachelor's degree of economics and a minor in business. And, um, once I leave, I wanted to make sure I kind of had something already set up that I've been working on so that when I leave college, I can go ahead and start working on my career. Um, whether that be making money, making moves in um, kind of a leadership experience in a company or um, kind of getting that, getting that experience so that I can know what it is I want to do. And CentOS has a rotational program that I'm applying for that would, it's, it's almost a rotational program. They call it a management trainee position. And basically they put you in three different positions for six months each. Um, there's a sales rotation there. And then there's two um, kind of on the floor positions, basically where you're, you're working the line or you're driving trucks or you're going door to door. Basically you're doing um kind of like the the backbreaking labor almost you know for lack of a better term and the point behind this is so that they want to develop leaders and managers who have actually done the jobs of the workers that they would be managing and that's the kind of position i want to be in after after college just real quick um if there's anyone out there that does not understand or know what they want to do so far, I think uh, rotational programs out of college are pretty powerful. See, uh, I'm kind of the opposite of where Corbin is. I'm graduating in May, but I have no idea what I want to do. Um, I've narrowed it down to like location-wise. I want to live in Chicago after I graduate. Um, well, I am from there, but... Uh, I have no clue and I'm going to be applying to jobs in the fall because kind of like what Corbin said, once I graduate, I already want to have a plan of where I'm going to work. Uh, most likely kind of what you were talking about, the rotational programs, what a lot of companies are leaning towards recently are those rotational programs as opposed to just here's a job. Um, whether that's going to be like a two-year or three-year rotational program, I don't know. It depends on the company and the industry I want to go into. Um, but I'm just going to kind of check out the job fairs apply to a bunch of different places I like, and I'm going to go from there. I have really nothing figured out right now, but that's okay. Um, I don't, no one really expects you to. And if anyone else doesn't have anything figured out, you, that's fine. Like you don't have to have a plan. You can just, you can just go with the flow. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So part of me is kind of like torn between different roles within the sustainability field, whether it's consulting or a nonprofit or corporate sustainability work. And then the other part of me just wants to say fuck it and go do the Peace Corps or volunteer for two years and just take some time off after school. Um, and so I'm like really torn between those two. 
in terms of going to work straight out of college or taking a couple of years off to travel more and just see more of the world, volunteer, maybe work away. So we'll, we'll see. Um, and earlier in the summer, we talked a bit about Peace Corps. Uh, can you explain that part a bit to the viewers? Yeah, so Peace Corps is essentially a function of the U.S. government where you go, you're um, placed abroad for two years and you spend that time volunteering within a, a community and becoming a part of that community and giving back. Um, there, there's also a pretty large network of other uh, members of, of the Peace Corps and so it's a cool opportunity to meet some other people while abroad. Um, and you're allowed to kind of select, uh, apply for different placements um, depending on your interests, both like geographically and vocationally. Um, and then last question for everyone is what's one piece of advice after all this college stuff that you would give to call it could be college or work what's one piece of advice that you'd give to that's in that position okay um, so uh, I guess one piece of universal advice I would kind of give everyone is don't be afraid to kind of to go for it, to go to go push yourself for it, to go apply for that job that you don't think you have a chance of getting, apply for that school you don't have a you know you feel like you don't have a chance of getting into, uh, because you never know. Uh, maybe someone will take a look at you and they say, "Man, I like I like this kid's drive. I like the way they're, I like that they're coming up to me as a freshman in college." asking for internships that mostly juniors and seniors get. And we actually have a few, um, a few underclassmen here at Conagra that I was surprised to see this wasn't even their first internship. This might have been their second or third internship. And they're a sophomore at, actually one, uh, another one of them goes to Texas A&M. So really don't be afraid to go out there. Go to that career fair, don't be lazy. Go, go out there, actually go apply for jobs, go talk to people, get that experience in now. Don't wait till later. Get as much experience as you can while you can. Um, and I think good things will happen. You'll, you'll get that experience. You'll be able to um, kind of work your way down the line because once you reach that junior and senior year, these won't be the first career fairs, your first interviews, your first, the first times you're talking to people. You will have already have gotten the jitters out kind of once when you were a freshman, when you were a sophomore. So now that when you're a junior, senior, you know how to talk to people. You might have already established those connections if you're talking with recruiters, um, either casually or if you made it far down the line and they wanted to keep that connection going. Yeah, so I would, I would just say go for it. That's, that's my piece of advice. Yeah, um, so kind of go on, I'll go off of what Corbin said and then I'll go into my own advice. Um, so some, one thing that I did that I learned that helped me a lot was we have, at least on campus, we have two big kind of engineering-esque uh, job fairs every year, one each semester. And nine times out of like, well, 99 times out of 100, they are not looking for freshmen. They will turn you away. Um, I still showed up every semester. Um, and I, uh, I went up to people who, because I think now it's you have to make an appointment. But... I would go up to fresh, my freshman year was different where you could just walk up to people and wait in line. Um, but I would just go up to people who had nothing going on and I was like, Hey, like, can I talk to you? Can I like get a card? Like something like that. Or like I have 
a practice like elevator pitch? Can I practice that? And like, can you give me pointers on that? And more than more than like yeah. more than uh, most of the time, uh, a lot of the recruiters, even if it was nowhere near what the field I wanted to work in was, were willing to listen to me. Like, hey, yeah, this kid is just a freshman, doesn't know what he's doing. Let me try and help him out a little bit. And that actually helped get me my next year internship, which is kind of cool because the the person recognized me and was like, hey. You're the kid that knew nothing. Like, let me talk to you, <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, like it actually got me. It got it helped out in a way, but it also like helped with my confidence because I mean I'm starting uh, stuttering a lot right now, and that happens a lot when I do public speaking. So kind of getting myself out there and talking to people and just kind of realizing that like, hey, like they're also people, and that it's not as deep as other people make it out to be. And it, it really just drove up my confidence. And then my actual advice is kind of just, um, I swear. Yes. Uh, I just like to go by the, uh, say, fuck it, we ball. Um, <laughs> if people ask me to do something, I try not to say no unless I have something else going on. People ask me, like, hey, you want to hang out or you want to go do something? I'm like, sure, why not? I have time. Um, and it also helped a lot, like getting to know people because people will are also getting to know you while you're trying to get to know them, especially when you go to college. Everyone's super open. Everyone's super like easy to talk to. Uh, and they're not going to say no if you're like, hey, you want to go get some like boba or some like drinks or something. So, yeah, just kind of do as much as you can. Awesome. Yeah, I think my advice is kind of a good segue from Tiki's because people tell you. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it a million times to network and meet people. But I, I, I think people are kind of intimidated by that because they think, oh, networking is I have to go talk to a manager or a professor or a boss or someone like higher up than me. No, it's just go talk to someone. Go talk to someone in, in, in a different major. See, see why they're majoring in, in that. Go, go talk to someone that's like interested in something that you think you might be interested in. It, it doesn't have to be someone like more impressive than you it can just be a peer that's interested in in something else that can give you like a valuable perspective or or maybe like pique your interest in something you you never really thought about i know coming here i never really considered food science but i'm like shit maybe i need to go back to school and like <laughs> take some food science classes it's like it's just it's not even networking it's not something you have to dress up and schedule a time for it's just if you see someone that you think looks cool, go talk to them and, and see see what their life is about. Or if there's a club that you're like, maybe I'm interested in this, just find someone in it and talk to them and see if you can get in, involved. I, I think just meeting people and learning their stories can help you figure out what you're actually interested in. Yeah, uh, I definitely resonate with that. Um, that. There is a lot of times where I did just people just in indiscriminately I, I wasn't trying to do anything um but i'm definitely reaping the benefits of having all those different perspectives now and especially it helped with getting used to that meeting new people going into the room and working that room especially when you're in this environment and you might be the only intern in a company everyone else is 25 26 plus and you're 21 and under, you're just kind of, how do I navigate this? How do I talk to this person? Uh, am I going up to the youngest person in the room or the oldest? You might want to go to the oldest because sometimes they're more nicer and accepting. 
uh, it's like, you know, the grandma vibes and all that. But yeah, that definitely good advice from everyone. Uh, I think that'll help out anyone who's looking at college or work or internships. Um, we're going to wrap it up here, but I, I really appreciate you guys getting on. Yeah. That's it for this episode. Thank you for visiting Bert's World. Make sure to follow the podcast wherever you're listening. If you'd like to view the conversation as well as listen, visit my YouTube channel, Bert's World Podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter for updates, behind the scenes, and to engage with me. Music and socials in the description. See you on the next episode.